Hi, how are you doing? We're back and we're ready for it all over again. People the NHS private. How are people going to afford it? Probably leave under the tree for him would be a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. And people would die because of austerity. Then you've got the tune to come here and tell us austerity's over. Taking a risk, having a punt, having a go. That pumps me Did up. Do you ever be prepared to use a nuclear weapon? Hello and welcome to ACFM, the home of the weird left. My name is Keir Milburn and today I'm joined by my two rather uh, infused friends, Nadia Idle. Hello. And Jeremy Gilbert. Hello. And today we're going to talk about what else? The election, an election special, just what you've been waiting for. Nadia, why are we talking about the election? What's it got to do with acid Corbynism, acid communism, as if we didn't know? Okay, this is this is a really important moment. Um, this is this is a moment where there's there's a lot at stake. I'd like us to talk about that a bit. And there's a lot happening emotionally um, when the Boris Johnson pro- prorogation thing happened. It was like, fuck, this is a moment. And I was literally like 12 hours away from dressing up with a group of people as French revolutionaries and like wheeling down some like French revolution props, like down to Downing Street, etc. Um, and it felt like a moment where we could we could do that. And, and you know, we make jokes about off with our heads and whatever, that sort of stuff. And then it kind of fizzled away and it again became the sort of space where you didn't think that you that there was that energy. And it was a really, really weird time before the election was called because it felt really stunted. And now that the election is called, it's like there's an actual timeline and there's a purpose and it's really chaotic. And there's a lot of people trying really hard to win this on all the different levels. But it feels so real. I mean, you can't say it's boring. This is not a boring time to be alive in Britain. And if you're feeling bored, we can make an acid argument that there's something else that is going on, <laughs> I think. And maybe let's engage with that later. Yeah, I agree. That's a chaotic, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be bored. That's a chaotic, this is a chaotic start, but, you know, there's a lot of chaos going on in my brain. But I feel well. I feel absolutely knackered <laughs> but i feel i feel i feel well because it's like yeah come on like we're gonna give this everything we've got you know, you know um I, mean? I, I agree with you let's talk about how we're feeling because i've got to admit that the period before the election was called i, I was sort of gripped with anxiety Me all too. the time and i basically didn't i couldn't i didn't know i mean it wasn't, didn't make any difference whether i knew or not but i just didn't know whether whether corbyn should go for an election or not go for an election Honestly, the day it was called, um, no, the day after it was called, I reckon, my mood completely flipped. And you just basically, there was this huge burst of enthusiasm on the left. And then you started to see the first the, the first sort of pictures of people, of, of mass, the, the amount of people out canvassing, basically. And, you know, you'd hear reports of like 200 people in Manchester turning up to get persuasive conversation trainings. It's the same in Leeds, actually. There were 150 people turned up to this hall. They literally had to shut the doors because they couldn't get any more people in and it was getting to be a, f- a fire hazard. You know, And the atmosphere seemed to have flipped really quickly to one of like um, almost um, euphoria. <laughs> it's a weird one. And my, my mood lightened straight away at, at that point, you know. Whether that's just fooling myself, who knows? But I just—I no, no, no. don't think it is. I don't think it is because no. because it because that like you know then you start to see like hints that um, the things that you always knew, which is you know uh, that basically the contemporary Labour Party is at a massive disadvantage when there's not an election going on because then focus is the focus shifts when there's not an election going on. You know, the media the media frames everything. The focus is on Downing Street, where we can basically do nothing. And then as soon as it as soon as it flips into an election mode or something like that, even the prorogation actually seemed to flip it as well. Even though that wasn't an election mode, but the the focus moved out outside of Parliament. And outside of Parliament is, of course, the only place where you know the streets, the doorstep. That's the only place where like- uh, the contemporary Labour Party has has the advantage, has the edge. But I also think it's really what's really significant is like 
you know, you mentioned the, the, the kind of terrain that we're working in, Jeremy. Uh, not Jeremy, actually. I think it was you, Keir, who said, like, it's careful, Amanda, careful. <laughs> Don't get this wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of you blokes, anyway, um, mentioned uh, um, uh, scorched earth, like that compared to other places in, in Europe and the world in terms of sociality and in terms of like collectivity, like the UK is in a really kind of, atomized individualized like consumerized like subjectivities like that's where people where people are so when you have something where there's a massive surge of like here comes everyone and like who are all of these people and like whoa those feelings you get from you know like in the last election i don't know whether it was newcastle and then there was another one in leeds i think um you were talking about kia where there was all of these people like clambering up the hill etc yeah. um and and you just like ha- like hordes of people that you know the mainstream media definitely don't want those images although i don't like using that term mainstream media because it's also partly conspiratorial but like the 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 media um doesn't want to show those images because regardless of the context of the content of what those people were doing that that elicits a certain response in other human beings when you know especially in the rain in the uk there's a lot of people having fun together like that's significant and if, so, of course, like there's such a contrast between the pre-election and 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 now, sort of the the in-election period when there's just big groups of people doing things together, like organising together. It's it's fundamentally different to how it is before. Well, we should say something about them. You know, what is you know what is actually at stake in this yeah. particular election? Yeah. What yeah. is the What is the significance of it? Because. Um, you know, there's obviously, obviously, a, there's a widespread sense that there's some, that it's, there's a particular sense of urgency about it because of Brexit, because even people who want the kind of you know left Brexit think that we're not, you're not going to get that if Johnson wins the election, and it's going to be some sort of crisis. But is it like significant? Is it a particularly significant election in in other ways? I mean, it seems like it is to an extent because, I mean, this was already starting with May, but. I mean, it seems like they really have... I mean, it seems like the Tories, at least for now, they have really have abandoned austerity and pretty much abandoned neoliberalism as a policy programme. I mean, they're talking about... You know, it seems to me they are struggling to figure out how to basically say they're going to spend loads of money but do so in a way which is still characteristically right way. But they will always say that in an election period, if you're, if you're the no, same government... No, they don't. They don't. That's the thing. I mean, what started with Cameron was them not doing it and saying, no, we're going we're gonna to have austerity because it's necessary. In fact, they said we were going to... Cameron promised more austerity than we got, which was part of their long-term strategy to sort of soften us up, I think. Hmm. But, um, yeah, I think nobody has any clue. I mean, you're right that nobody has any clue what they will actually do in government. They clearly don't have any clue what they'll actually do in government if they win. We're speaking and the manifesto hasn't come up, but we're pretty sure we know what's going to happen if if Corbyn gets in. Or we at least know the direction of travel that they want to move, that, 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 that the Corbyn and John McDonald want to move in, right? And, you know, there's lots and lots of new ideas coming out on the left. That's where all the intellectual energy is. And like, there's basically no intellectual energy and no ideas coming out on the right or the centre, Although the no, Lib did come out with the skills wallet the other day. <laughs> yeah, but the skills wallet is just straight out of the thick of it, isn't it? The, <laughs> totally the is. It is, it yeah. is a parody of a kind of Blairite, is, yeah. technocratic, centrist policy. Absolutely it, is a parody. It totally is. It, it sounds like the sort of policy they'd invent in a taxi when, they're, when the main policy announcement has been cancelled. They have to come out with something. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. way. laughs> <laughs> What's the name of that BBC programme that was about the, the, about the Olympics? Um, 2012 yeah, yeah. 2012 yeah, so yeah, that, yeah that no, sort well, it's of the thing. same you know it is it is straight out of that vein satire i mean and the, and those are all satires of the the political class which you know i've argued lots of times was sort of sent fundamental to neoliberalism and, it, and it's hegemony and it's and really the thing that's changed since 2008 is the is their crisis you know, the fact that they just don't they have no solutions and no way of maintaining mm-hmm. their yeah, and, and, and like you mentioned um, before, Jeremy, I think this this idea that like the cent- the centrists just don't they just don't understand they just don't understand that two thousand eight happened and they just did they've just things aren't going their way and they don't understand why. I mean, it's one thing to reflect on. I think that you know, if it wasn't for Brexit, I mean, I think Labour would have a really significant polling. Yeah, I mean, it's part of our problem. I mean, Brexit is really not it is really distorting the whole debate because it. 
Yeah, there is a massive, there are all, you know, there is a big swathe of kind of old people, especially that you just think Brexit is the only issue we're thinking about and it's defining everything. Whereas I think if, if it was if it weren't for Brexit, then we you know, if it was just a question of, well, who has the, the platform that actually commands support? I, yeah, that's in, it's interesting. I don't know because, I mean, OK, going back to the question of, like, why is this a significant election? OK, like, well, Brexit is one part of it. But the other part of it is that when was the last time you had the two main parties so massively polarised in terms of policy? Like massively polarized, like the things that the Labour Party is offering are not the things that the Conservative Party are offering. The the, the people that the Conservative Party is looking to uh, to speak to are not the people that the the Labour Party is looking to speak to in terms of like the one percent and the ninety nine percent. Not the spin around it, but like the reality of it. I mean, it's just totally different. These are two completely different parties. This is not, you know. 2000, sorry, 1996, 1997, it, it, when, when everyone was moving towards the centre. Like, we've got two fundamentally different parties. And that's why it's, 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 it is a genuine, like, in, mo- in most seats where it's... And obviously, we've got this electoral system that makes it, you know, we haven't... We, it's first past the post, uh, et cetera, which means that pe- not everyone has the same weight in their vote. But you're choosing between two very different parties when you're going to to vote. And a lot of voters make up their mind like that evening or that night or that morning. And that's why the canvassing is really important, which we'll get to later. Do you know what I mean? Regardless of the spin. Well, that's true. But I think that also sort of, I mean, in a way that speaks to, you know, some of what we were already talking about and this um, analysis made by Andy Beckett in his piece in The Guardian last week about the, the complete collapse of sort of the Conservative Party just as an any, all the, the political right really as an intellectual project. And uh, Andy said, I thought we said quite persuasively actually, but it, it might not, it, it could you, it could turn out this isn't the big election, that's why I think mm-hmm. it could turn out, it could turn out that this election, whatever the outcome is all is completely distorted by Brexit, and it's only after Brexit that we're going to get the really decisive one that sees see, that really sees the kind of the fund, you know, the finally sees the decisive shift away from neoliberalism and its legacy. I think so. I think that is po- it's possible that that's actually where we're at, see, even though see, yeah, we don't know. I've heard you say that. I've heard you say this before, Jeremy, and I, I I think that's a really important view, but I also partly want to ignore it because I can't operate on that level for the next four weeks. Do you know what I mean? Like we've yeah, just no, I think it, this is this is the thing is that we've just got to operate as if like we're we're giving it everything now. Um, do you? I mean, I just I, I agree. We we have to give it everything now, but that doesn't. I think we've got to say, you know, that's you know, we, you know, whether even if the recovery of the left is a much more long term project, like you know, this is a crucial episode. Yeah, yeah. How, how how we do now, whether or not Labour forms a government after the election, and to be honest, I would say really whether or not Labour forms a go- government after the election is not the most important thing in the medium term. The most important thing is how success, how successful are we in building up the left's forces and making yeah. gains for the left, and, and 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 we're doing that anyway. You know, we're going to be we're in the process of doing that in a really significant way, no matter what happens. And it's really obvious, for example, that the composition of the parliamentary Labour Party is going to be radically different after this election, like no matter what happens, actually, in terms of who forms the government. And that is really. That's a huge, it's a huge like thing, I think. Before we before we shift on to that, though, because I, I think we also want to talk about like the effects of this, like, you know, so many people get in persuasive conversation training and, you know, the, the, the way, ha- how on it groups like Momentum are this time around compared to 2017. You know, I think that will have a big effect, actually. Of just yeah, yeah. Creating I, I a sort of cadre of people who are, you know, who are skilled up, you know, I think that's going to have a really big effect no matter what happens in on December the twelfth, but there are other things which are lining up, which which do make this re, a potentially really really important election. And one of them is that you know this collapse of the right as an intellectual project that is not you know that's going on that's a worldwide phenomena, right? And so one of the other things we've got going on is you know there's going to be a U.S. presidential election, and so if you if you sort of think oh well you know Corbyn could actually be prime minister by Christmas, 
Bernie Sanders could be prime Corbyn minister. Corbyn and Bernie, come on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, much better. No, but, no, but, you know, but basically, it, straight away, it makes you think of a sort of Reagan-Thatcher sort of inflection point in world history. Do you know what I mean? Now, it may well not turn out to be that way, but you... And it may well turn out to be there isn't a re- an inflection point towards the left because, you know, what we also see is the reaction of the right. You know, there's a huge amount of like, you know, there's coups and violent um, struggle back, you know, push back towards any potential on the left around the world at the moment. So we, it's an inflection point. We don't know which way it's going to go. But, that, but you know, the, that is what seems to add an extra impetus for this being a really important one because it would, because Corbyn doing very, very well in this election, Labour doing very, very well in this election, could have an influence on on the way you know on on, on things such as this, the U.S. presidential election. Perhaps that's overstating it, but you know the sense that, like, in fact, there's a the, the left is a viable uh, and for Euro and European groups as well, and to give yeah. energy to European movements. I mean, the fact that it, consistently, whenever I speak to anyone who's like from. Um, other European countries, and they're just like, yeah, we're looking to you because you you're like the the, the biggest left organization, <laughs> like in the Western world or whatever. Like five hundred thousand people, like is a lot of people, you know, to be a members members of an organization, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's a moment. Yeah, I, I think that's right, and I it's that's interesting actually because I think this clarifies me like what my own mood has been actually since the start. Of the election and my own mood has been you know quite reflective partly because I'm just not I'm not really able to go out I'm just having to do it vicariously vicariously live the election through you know <laughs> and, and like other people who don't have little kids and aren't in the middle of a teaching term but I don't but also my feeling about it actually is yeah for the medium to long term I'm feeling more positive actually than I have than, than previously because I just think I think there's all kind. I mean, it's the point Andy Beckett again made in that article. There's all kinds of contingencies can affect a specific election, um, but what's not in doubt is that is that the claims made by some of the critics, like on the right and kind of centrist sort of sceptics, that Corbynism was some sort of flash in the pan, that it wasn't sustainable, etc., are clearly bullshit. I mean, it, it is absolutely clear now that the left is undergoing a decisive recovery. But I think that, and that's really significant because that hasn't. I've never felt that way before. I've lived through several moments since the early 90s where basically a bunch of people who'd never really done any activism before started doing some and got really excited and said, oh, yeah, this is it now. And I, and I just said, no, it isn't, because basically compared to the last wave, this is, it's, this is smaller, you know, and it, or compared to things, you know, I know about from the past, this is smaller. And, this is, and I would say it's still the case, you know, but I don't think we are. We're not in the state where we can say, well, we've actually t- recovered from the defeat of the 80s, but... This is now decisively totally different from anything that's happened in my adult life. So that is really important, I think. It is really important to know that. And, um, so I feel, sort of, you know, I feel you know, pretty confident that we're, on, you know, we're going somewhere. And I think it is because, like Keir said, because, I mean, the, the extent to which momentum has kind of picked up the whole idea was a distributed campaigning, like mm. empowering the membership and you know, using the available technology to empower the membership collectively is just fantastic and it's you know it is fantastic and it is sort of so it is something that people you know like us have been dreaming of since the fucking 90s really to see this actually happening and it is and it's and, and it's working you know, and it works you know get you know it's it's really proving incredibly powerful and kind of mobilizing people and it is starting to shift the poles and it is creating a sense of kind of hope and possibility which and it's so different and it's complete it's really worth people understanding as well you know how different it is you know, from even other moments of kind of labour mobilisation. I think I think it was before, just before we started recording, we were talking, you were saying that you had been talking to a labour councillor who was comparing the situation to the sort of wave of enthusiasm for Blair in 97. The thing is, I can tell you now, what I can tell you is like, you know, I had the training. I didn't do the canvassing because I didn't like what they were telling me. If you went and had training in 97, and it was the same in 92, and I did do canvassing, what you got told is specifically, this is really important, don't try to persuade people. Your job as a canvasser is not to persuade people, is not to engage people in political conversation. Your only job is to find out how people are going to vote and contribute that data to our records. So the whole idea of the membership as an active force, like engaging in, you know, hegemonic struggle to try to shift people's common sense, was totally was actively foreclosed. I mean, that was the whole condition of possibility for New Labour. So it's a totally different model of campaigning and it's really incredible to see you see i'm seeing a lot on social media and it's kind of a line you get that 
you know, the right, the kind of bad-tempered, you know, Corbyn-hating Labour right, you know, they keep trying to say, oh, this isn't, oh, this isn't proper democracy. Oh, these uh, momentum's just like an army of stooges being told what to do. I, I saw like a prominent kind of Labour right academic on Twitter saying, sneering at like, the, the, the photographs of loads of people turning up to canvas saying, oh, this isn't people power. It's just people being told what to do. Yeah, the it's 700 just, people that yeah, turned up to Chingford. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah, just yeah. incredible. It was an incredible remark because... Well, what did what did you think was happening in ninety seven? In ninety seven, you were told you would you, you would turn up and you were told don't engage with people. You know, does he think that was some kind of an exercise in mass, you know, grassroots democracy? It's unbelievable. So I think it is really important, like, for people to understand like, how novel it is in some way. What's happening is it's extremely novel, and it is absolutely. I think let's let's maybe yeah go on. No, no, it's just that. No, I just I just, I just thought it might be worth at this stage like defining some of these like just just taking a little bit of time to maybe define a little bit of these uh, methodologies for people, because not everyone will know exactly what we're talking about. So um, what persuasive conversations is like what that, what that is as a thing, um, uh, what, what, classic canvassing is um and like some of the different like what distributive organizing is so i'll just explain those really quickly yeah, for people who 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 might not know so in general we should say you're saying this with the authority of someone who's working in the momentum office at the moment. yeah so i mean i'm i'm kind of like an i'm an i'm an organizer like a political organizer that's kind of what i do as a profession um, and i'm now working part-time in the momentum office and the rest of the time i'm doing um momentum volunteering for like the online online team the, the new online teams we've recruited and i'm also doing like loads of canvassing and stuff with clps and organizing so i'm basically work, working about a six and a half day a week at the moment um so i'm totally knackered and this is my day hero, off. <laughs> hero of the class this, this is my day off today <laughs> so i'm doing as communism instead yay which actually sound, feels like a holiday like i'm sitting in front of a sitting in front of this mic uh, and a laptop and i feel like wow this is this is different i've not done this for a while um right okay so Generally, when we're talking about in an election period, we talk about canvassing. Like Jeremy said, we're talking about people going and knock, knocking on doors, and um, you 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 are collecting data, and you're collecting data, and that data goes back to the board runner, i.e., one of your group of four, um, and that data is whether that person at that door is voting Labour. Uh, is not voting Labour, is not undecided, whether they are a Labour voter and need a postal vote, etc. And what that does is it then means that the campaign from the from the pers- uh, perspective of that CLP or that marginal, i.e. the um, a seat that, that Labour is either defending or um, is trying to gain, knows which doors they're going to knock on on uh, the election day, which is called Get Out the Vote, which is another campaign which is done on the day to make sure that all of those people have voted. That is like stand. That's standard. Yeah. The div- that's what, and that still needs to happen. Like that information is really, really important because it's a technical exercise. Now, the difference is between the way momentum does things, and the kind of school of thought and kind of very classic, narrow-minded way of understanding what canvassing is, is is what we're talking about in terms of this persuasive conversation. So persuasive conversations is literally a workshop that that Momentum and uh, the community organising unit, the amazing community organising unit in the Labour Party are doing all around the country at the moment to train people on how to have persuasive conversations on the doorstep. And the reason why, I mean, this is like a completely like acid thing for me and like 100% in the middle of our like acid school of thought. And we'll get to that in a minute, in a minute, sorry. But what's important about that is you're basically understanding, uh, this is the kind of important bit for me, is that there's actually an, there is a cost to not being a nice person (laughs) on the doorstep as well. It's not just about how do you convince that person on the doorstep to vote Labour, but how do you how do you have that sort of conversation that's going to change their mind even about the Labour Party? Now I happen to be someone who's like very highly skilled 
in this area and you know and I'm a woman and I wear a bright pink jacket whenever I go canvassing not everyone has a bright pink jacket and not everybody is a woman and not everybody can go hi and kind of speak in the way that I do and you shouldn't be expected to but I've been canvassing for the last three weeks maybe two three times a week and I've 99% of the conversations that I've had have been good. I've had people say to me things like, wow, I've never met a Jeremy Corbyn supporter. It's been really nice to talk to you. I've had people say, you've made me change my mind. I've had people say, I'm definitely a Tory voter, but it's really nice to speak to you. I'll think about this thing you said about the NHS. Like, that's the stuff that's going to win us the election. Like, that's really, really important stuff. And not only is it the content, like I said, it's the fact that people... A lot of people will make a decision on how they vote based on the last person they, they've spoken to. You know, people don't live in our political world. People will be like, well, the last person I spoke to was, was a Labour person. They seemed all right. I'll vote for Labour. Like, that's the sort of stuff. So, so, so sorry, that's me slightly going off there. But Persuasive Conversations is basically these trainings telling people how do you conduct yourself to convince people. And also, of course, the authenticity of it. And this is the bit that really, really gets to me. It's like, if you don't believe we're going to win, like, don't go out canvassing, honestly. You have to believe it because then when somebody says something to you that's total rubbish, I mean, I have red lines. You know, if somebody says to me, I don't like Corbyn's Brexit policy, that's fine. We can have a conversation about it. If somebody says to me, Corbyn is a racist... I won't accept that. And you shouldn't accept that sort of stuff. Like, And people are waiting to hear from one person, which they've not managed to have a conversation with like for the last three months. They want one person to be like, no, you're wrong. And you'll be surprised how well people react to that. It'll be like, oh yeah, thanks for correcting me. Or I've just never had a chance to have that conversation. This stuff like really, really, really matters. So that's persuasive conversations. We've talked about canvassing. Distributed organizing, just very quickly, is a model that was used in the Bernie Sanders campaign um, uh, and the Medicare for All um, with the N National Nurses United, which are kind of this amazing a union of nurses in the States, which have gone taking Medicare for All, which is the US uh, campaign for universal health care. It's still below par compared to what we have on the NHS. Um, but that campaign was, I think, in the last US election, it was like the recognition was like some tiny percentage and then it went up to 50%. And it's because of distributed organizing. And the way distributed organizing works is that you basically recruit a whole, like a huge number of volunteers and you're clear about the aims of the campaign, but then the, the volunteers are given the same responsibility as the staff members and are allowed to go out and basically make the campaign work in terms of whether it's written, writing scripts for calling or like writing guides for canvassing or all the other bits that are part of a campaign, whether it's an election campaign or not. And it means that basically you're taking away this hierarchy and you're giving people the agency to do things but all, while everyone's all on the same page. So Momentum is now running distributed organizing. I'm not going to give away like all of our tactics <laughs> on air, uh, but basically like there are thousands, it's, non, no, it, it's not a joke, like there are thousands of people that have signed up for this stuff. And I mean, the, the systems can barely cope. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we've been slow in getting back to some people. But there are thousands of people who have signed up to do all of the various things. It's really... It's more than heartwarming. It's like, wow, I don't know how to describe it, really. That's that's the sort of stuff that makes me able to do what I'm doing. So I hope that's a useful explanation. Yeah, it is. But um, but we should also talk about that because there's, there's, a, there's a sort of there's a wave of the campaign, which is even further more decentralized than that. Right. So there's there's been a series of initiatives. Like you, you two must have seen this Tory story, hashtag Tory story thing that was yeah, yeah. going on. And that started, started totally spontaneously, basically. Um, uh, um, a friend of mine, Jacob, just saw somebody had just written up a handwritten, handwritten uh, note, you know, about the circumstances they were in, basically. Come really classic testimony sort of thing. They've just written it up and stuck it on a bus stop saying, you know, I can't remember, I think it might have been about, you know, the difficulty of accessing, accessing health care, 
or it might even, I think it was somebody who said, look, you know, I, I work two jobs. I just only just keep my head above water. Yeah. Got all of these problems going on. You know, I don't know how much more I can take of this. Do you know what I mean? I, I basically, I just need you to vote Labour. Right? Do you know what I mean? And it was pretty moving. And so he took a photograph of that. And then other pe- people saw it and started putting up their own, just handwritten note about like, look, this is what this is where I'm at. Like, you know, and I also need you to, to vote Labour. And people started calling it Tory Tory stories, hashtag Tory stories. It started trending a couple of days ago. And, you know, it's very similar to the to a to a Tumblr called We Are the Ninety Nine Percent, which um, which took off around the Occupy Wall Street days, where people were doing the same thing, holding up you know bits of cardboard with their story written on it. Um, I found it really powerful, basically, and yeah, that's just something it's... that happens almost spon- well, basically spontaneously with just a model in the background, you know. But it, it, but it, it, it happens also. It's picked up on and it's amplified because of the moment and because of the mood. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And what it does say and why it's so exciting is it, be, it, the, it, it again. It's that authenticity thing. It's like the antithesis of the kind of Blairite, you know, like corporate NGO type model of this kind of top down, you know, like media savvy, like whatever crap, which we. Well, it's not even Blairite. It's just the way things are done under neoliberalism now, where, you know, you go up the underground in London or whatever, and all of these ads and just ads speak, like talking total crap and whatever. And then you have like a campaign about something that's that's about people's lives. Like it's genuinely about people's lives and it plugs into the election, which is what the election should be about, about the 320,000 homeless people, 4.1 million children underneath the poverty line in one of the richest countries in the world. Like, that's what the election should be about. Yeah. But, of course, it's not. It's about it's it's about other issues which have been abstracted and about party infighting. That's how it's being spun, as opposed to about the real things. And that's what Tory story has been really good for. Mm. Can I just mention one more thing as well <laughs> about what the election is about and what it should be about? Because um, I got a train up to Leeds on uh, on the weekend, and like it was delayed by two hours. Like all, loads of trains cancelled because of the floods. People crammed onto this, you know, crammed onto these every space of, of of the trains. Do you know what I mean? Everyone like you know, you know, treating each other with respect and all that sort of stuff. And just outside, there were just, I just could not believe the size of the floods that had happened in the north of the Midlands and then up up to up to Sheffield in particular. It was just unbelievable. It just it was honestly mile after mile after mile of flooded land. It was complete, and I was just I started getting really annoyed. <laughs> basically because i was going why is this not what the election's about this is like you know basically we're having a, a major national disaster linked to climate change in the period just after we've had extinction rebellion just after we've had these whole cycle of school student strikes around the climate you know what i mean and and but you know basically i was really annoyed at the green party because like you know they're not they're not making it their number one priority. They're, they're not making this the climate change elections. You know, they're sort of going along with this, the Brexit remain sort of uh, uh, election. Uh, I think, you know, obviously within the within the, the Greens, there's a bit of, um, there's quite a lot of tension about this election and people sort of push back at me a bit and saying it's not fair to say that Greens aren't concentrating about it. There's a battle going on in the Greens about what we should be talking about. But you know, I, I I think I think it's much simpler than that. I think like it's outside the M twenty five. No one gives a fuck. Yeah, I mean, there I is think that definitely. Really, there is that. Going I think on, yeah. I think like the the the, the like it's as if the north like north north of the M twenty five like does not exist. I mean, it's not even like it's the Midlands included. You know, I mean that that north south things in terms of power and what's on people's radar. I mean, if come on, if Westminster was flooded or like Tunbridge Wells or something. Like, let's be honest about it. Like, it will, you know, if it was Oxford that was half underwater, then suddenly it would have been like people gave a shit about climate change. People listening outside the UK, the M25 is like the giant, basically the giant ring road that goes all around London. Yes, thank so you. If you talk about being outside the M25, you mean, you mean outside London. Yeah. And what I'd be interested to hear from people about what, you know, what's coming up on, if it's affecting what's coming up on the doorsteps out in those northern constituencies. Yeah. Because I haven't really heard it. Have you heard anything about that, Nadia? Um no are people who are actually being flooded because those are that is happening in some of it's happening in the places we are told labor is at risk of losing the seats that it's held historically for 100 years because people there are so committed to break yeah that's one actually bit of information that i'll probably be looking into next week which i don't think we've got as far as aggregating 
both like some of the narrative stories that are coming out from the big canvases um, in the marginals or like in terms of the numbers. Those are two things that people are asking. Anyway, I think I think um, I don't know what Momentum's plans are for that, but that's definitely stuff that some of the activists want want to know. You know, there's this whole new comparison thing between like number of people going out on the doorstep in 2017 and 19 and what are the things on the doorstep. And I mean, I can only speak for the canvases that I've been on. I don't actually know what the national data is on that yet. It could well be that it has no effect at the moment because, like, you know, you have disruption and it's really extreme disruption in those areas. But that has to be, you know, has to be linked to a cause. I know in some way we link it to climate change. But, you know, especially in Sheffield, it's also to do with grouse hunting, to be honest, right, where they have to burn the moors uh, every year to, to make it make it uh, amenable to, to, to grouse hunting, oh, which means that um, a huge amount of, like, the, the natural um, absorption of, of, of um, uh, upland areas gets burnt away every year, basically, and it, all that water floods down into Sheffield. It's a really big problem at the Calder Valley as well, at Hebden Bridge and all of those sort of areas. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. it's me, me and Jeremy going, we're within the M25. We had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Do you not have, yeah. have moorlands in London? What's a moor? <laughs> yeah, I always try and get my grouse from <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sustainable grouse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, grouse for Corbyn. That's what we need to start. Yeah. <laughs> You've heard of grime for Corbyn, but now there's grouse for Corbyn. So there's a, I mean, it's an interesting question then, isn't there? Is what, if anything, has changed since 2017? Yeah. Because I don't, I mean, I'm not really, my sense is that in a way not much has changed. In terms is, of we're, what? We're, 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 the campaign or the reality? Well, in terms of the, the, yeah, the dynamics of the election, the campaign. I mean, you know, the people, the, the, the Corbyn sceptic commentariat kept telling us, oh, it's not going to be like 2017. There's no way this is going to be anything like 2017. And there is a significant difference in the, in the, at the start of the campaign. The Lib Dems seem to have, at least by the start of the campaign, had accumulated a lot of support from hardcore Remainerists. Mm. I think it's um, a much harder but, campaign. But apart from that, well, that's well, let's talk about that. I mean, apart, but on the other hand, the campaign does appear to be following a very similar pattern to the last one. To you know, much you know, given that we were told by commentators it couldn't possibly follow a similar pattern again. Mm. So, I mean, we're, we're recording, right, we're recording one week into the, the official election campaign and, you know, the polls seem to be shifting, you know, a few points a week, which is pretty, you know, in, in our favour from a, a pretty low point. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, I think you should talk more about why it's harder. Because, obviously, the big thing that's changed is the recovery of the Liberal Democrats, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the, the anti-Corbyn, like the relentless anti-Corbyn attack has um really infiltrated people's minds i would say mm. um right. and i think it's on like and this is why moment like momentum's energy is really important because the people who are coming from the momentum background into the training and onto um and onto canvases have that steadfastness inside them they're not surrounded by either right-wing labor people or other people who are like yeah i mean maybe you know corbyn's not that great or maybe he just is a bit of a racist or maybe he is a terrorist sympathizer i mean i can feel my blood boiling just as i'm saying those words because it is you literally have people say things to you that they were not saying in 2017 i'm not saying this is the overwhelming experience my overwhelming canvas experience even here in the kind of conservative suburbs conservative with a small c so has been positive but you do have people coming up with absolute shit and it is shit and it's wrong about corbyn that we didn't have in 2017 like we just didn't have that with like you've got leavers saying that he's too remainy you've got remainers saying that he's too levy you got that he's you know, a terrorist sympathizer. You've got pictures of him going around on the internet with his face on top of Osama bin Laden. Like you have ridiculous stuff that is going on that is because the stakes are too are so high. Like if Labour wins if this Labour party wins the election. Yeah, go on. No, no, I got to admit, I, I mean, I do remember most of that from the 2017 election. I think it's really, yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't. I remember this. The level of hysteria in the press was, if anything, a little bit higher than 
now. It's particularly towards the end, and we're only getting into this now. I'm sure. I think that's true. There's levels of hysteria to dredge yet. Sorry, Gary. Have you been canvassing both of you? No, no. My my sense, my sense is from just chatting to people is that I think yeah, the hysteria levels in the press went up to absolute maximum in 2017. Like, there was no higher they can ever get. Mm. But, but, mm. The, the, but, I, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I think certainly amongst, amongst that constituency, you know, very fanatically pro-Remain, who really don't understand what Brexit is about and just know they don't want it to happen, and a lot of whom did go for Corbyn because the Lib Dems seemed to be finished and they thought we would be... They, they, and, they, and also they thought that, Lib, that Brexit was a done deal, that it was just a question of whether it would be a really bad Brexit or not. You know, a lot of them who voted for Labour in 2017, a lot, a lot of the anti-Semitism stuff, the stuff about remain, about somehow Brexit being Corbyn's fault, you know, it has, it, I think my sense, it has penetrated into, into a lot of minds. The basically thick middle-class people who actually believe what people like Jonathan Friedland say to them, you know, they have been hearing the same stuff from those people for more than two years, and they haven't, they don't hear any critique of it. Yeah. The critique of that stuff from people like us doesn't penetrate their little world's um, and I think, you know, yeah, my, I mean, my, and I think that does, you know, I mean, that is what explains the sort of recovery of the Lib Dems. But the, I mean, the sort of recovery of the Lib Dems, I think, is worth talking about because it's part of a, this bigger process, really, of the sort of crisis of neoliberalism that basically, and the crisis of that kind of neoliberal political class. And that basically, that kind of centrist, technocratic, you know, for, former you know, neoliberal politics, is, which is now just sort of nostalgic for the long 90s, has pretty much been driven out of both the Conservative and Labour parties, you know, which where it, it had a very comfortable home like in the form of Cameronism and Blairism, like until recently. And the Lib Dems, who are this, are a con, sort of constant floating signifier of British politics, I think, really. They're just a, they're a sort of institutional space that will just absorb whatever is, is being excluded from the other main parties at any given moment. Dirty sponge. So, you know, in the early 2000s, in the early 2000s, they become, you know, basically the party of the left, like for a few years, because it's, because there isn't any other party of the left. Now, I mean, they've, the way I keep putting it to people, I mean, Swinton is just beside their leader, has become absolutely, I mean, she's become deranged with excitement. At the prospect that she might get the job now, and, and Liberal Democrats might now get the job of representing, you know, that kind of elite technocratic, you know, sort of centre right neoliberalism, which has been has been kind of pushed out of all the That's other parties. Right, yeah. But that creates a really creates a really problematic dynamic because there's a lot of those kind of, you know, sort of classic sort of fifty something very affluent you know, people who did really well out of Blairism in the 90s, who really don't want to be told that all that stuff is over and it's not coming back. You know, the Lib Dems now seem like a very a very attractive prospect for them because they're basically telling them, yeah, it can all come back if you vote for us by some fucking magic. Mm. You know, at the World Transformed um, uh, this year, me and uh, a couple of mates invented this game called The First 100 Days. We got asked to do it by um, the World Transformed, actually. And so it's sort of like a scenario planning game about how you respond, how, what would happen in the first 100 days of a Corbyn government, what sort of attacks might they come under and how might ordinary people and social movements respond to to those. And we've been we've been contacted by by a group called the Ella Baker Organising Society, you know, saying, look, we need you to write that up, et cetera, because, you know, if Corbyn wins, we're going to try and roll that out around the around the country. You know, that is the sort of thing we need to do. We need to be getting people to, like, engage with, you know, with this sort of strategic thinking about, you know, okay, we've got here, how do we move somewhere else? You know, how do we get to the next place? Do you know what I mean? I think you're completely right. And I think that, you know, the get I mean, your the games you've been organizing, I think a really nice example of something that sort of sits in between sort of just classic, you know, um, political education and pedagogy, for which, as I always say, I think there is a really important place. And, you know, just sort of festival culture and just sort of celebratory you know, ways of, creating collective joy and i think it you know it is really th- stressing the extent to which you know sort of cultural innovation and forms of collective you know 
ways of articulating collective joy have been a really important part of the campaign, haven't they? And 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 to be honest, though, like the five week sort of or like the the election the election timeline, even from like before before the official election campaigning started, really focuses that. Um, and and like one of those groups that I want to give a massive shout out to is like the Left Chance Squad, <laughs> yeah. which just started up as a fa- as a sorry a WhatsApp group, um, and then now I think it's got like over a hundred people um, in it and. It's been so successful at putting out like hilarious like football chants, like Christmas songs, like jingles made into like Corbyn or like Labour chants that literally every single time, Kia, that you said John McDonnell on this call, I've been like trying to stop laughing because all I can hear in my head is McDon da don 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 because we've, <laughs> we've I put a dare on saying, can somebody make the thong song from like the early 2000s? into like a uh you know a labor chant and somebody did and it is hilarious it goes and we've got john mcdonald it's really 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 (laughs) funny and and yeah we sang some of these songs like last friday at a social like just in in a pub and it, it was it's just so good but that stuff wouldn't have you know this started before the election but the focus now on people like staying up three o'clock in the morning going like how can I make the thong song into like, you know, <laughs> about the Green New Deal or something has has it's just, it's just great. Like it's it's the creativity as well that comes out. And I think that's the the challenge is that if you're saying, Jeremy, like how how does that creative campaigning persist? Like like how can we capture that? I think I don't I don't know. Like. I don't know that there is a mechanism to make sure that it doesn't dissipate and go away. I think the fact that, you know, the Left Chance Squad songbook now exists in, you know, printed format and other people have it and, you know, we can pass it round is is like important. But I don't know if you can keep I don't know if you can keep the energy. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Well, I think that's a good it's a good example. Actually, Just publishing the songbook is a really good development. I think um we should give a shout out to fuck Boris, shouldn't we? Because that yeah, is definitely, actual, yeah. That is some actually trying to use rave almost in a sort of reclaim the streets, old school reclaim the streets style, you know, as a kind of vehicle for intervening in the election. So fuck Boris has sort of emerged out of grind for Corbyn, but they're basically organising sort of street parties in as a way of mobilising sort of youth folk to try and actually unseat Boris Johnson in in Uxbridge. That's right, isn't it? In all the marginals. So check them out, and it's FCK. One thing I want to mention is um, I haven't been out canvassing yet. I'm going to go this week. Um, yeah, everyone go yeah, canvassing, seriously. Everyone do canvassing. I'm definitely going to go. I'm definitely going to go. But, my, you know, the t- I know exactly when I'm going to do my most canvassing. It'll be between the 24th of November and the I think the third fifth of December because I'm going to be on strike. <laughs> the UCU have called a called a strike. Whoop, 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 whoop. I know there's moves afoot to sort of, foot to sort of like momentum to try to, to like you know get people strike canvassing funds. Yeah, now. people trying to get people you know to go to go visit the the picket lines and then go from the picket lines to go canvassing etc. <laughs> but that's a well, that's a way to free my time up <laughs> to not go on to go on strike. Yeah. But, the, but that's the stuff that's been actually really really creative. It's the ways that people have been trying to find, you know, like like moment like momentum has had launched this um uh, labor legends thing and I think people have signed up to take a, a, a I don't know, something like a thousand weeks of collectively, it's like a thousand weeks off work. For the collectively, election. it's more than a thousand. I, it's mm, tens, tens of thousands. Maybe, maybe. Hang on, about I can a thousand, it's about a thousand. No, no, just go on talking. Don't worry. Um, but, uh, but, but people are trying to organise that sort of thing. It's like, how do we get people to marginals? Like, if people are on strike, like, how can we facilitate that? So there's also a massive logistics job. You know, it's not what's needed is not just the creativity is also in the logistics. It's not just in, not everyone can canvas. And, you know, that's why people are doing calling, which is not the same as phone banking. Can I say like texting, like research and whatever, and Momentum is organizing all of these teams, but it's also people who are organizing exactly stuff like that. It's like, what do we do with the people on strike? How do we make it easy for them to go canvassing or for them to do something else? Um, And that's where there's a lot of the creativity as well. And it's been really nice to see, people step up with the skills and the capacity that they've had, mm. you know, which is going to be different for different people. There's, there's loads of disabled people who are unable to leave their house that are doing amazing work towards this election. 
Yeah, I think that it is amazing. And to me, it is. I think it is really remarkable the extent to which all this is being facilitated by sort of mobile and platform technologies that are being used in really creative ways. You know, just partly why, I mean, for me, the kind of wave of, the latest wave of kind of very pessimistic commentary on things like social media, which is obviously justified in many ways, is is still quite problematic because it it's so obvious that this stuff is, I mean, this is the sort of democratic promise of the internet that, you know, we were first promised in the early 90s yeah. and then we, we kept being told, oh, it's not happened, oh, it was all bollocks. And actually, I mean, it's very, very complicated. Obviously, there are also terrible things about a world ruled by Facebook, but all all of this is now doable like you know all all of this kind of horizontal and distributed organization is now being facilitated by the use of these technologies in a way which is really remarkable i mean we're really milking facebook and whatsapp know, now especially and it's been... <laughs> i would say i would say but also other technologies you're right i mean yeah well it's yeah. a combination of the big platforms and having our own kind of custom tech isn't it which i think is is obviously sort of crucial but i think it is really it is really really exciting with the face-to-face as well is that yeah, that's exactly. what been, no, is yes. that it's, it's almost like almost everyone who's involved i would hope or i think you know there's there are, are less isolated than they were a few weeks ago and that that and the kind of understanding of there's that there's a percentage of either face-to-face with potential voters or face-to-face with other labor people or like face-to-face with like community people around logistics there's more into people are being having more meaningful interaction and i think that is like a really 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 important thing and a really acid thing to bring about yeah, it's the digital it's the digital facilitating the analog isn't yes. it rather than replacing yes yes exactly so it's less moaning on the internet basically yeah so it's it's precisely the the, the precisely the, the analogy of me like organizing a party where i've used i've used the internet to to get the records but we're playing them on a turntable yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> to a, you know, to a to a room full of you know, real people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, on. let's make clear to people if people want to get in, involved in any of the forms of organising Nadia was talking about, which is which are, is really easy. You know, you can. There's a range of options and ways to get involved. Many of which include um, things you can do from the comfort of your own home. If like me, you would do anything for the socialist cause except go and talk to people. Um, <laughs> And those are, and so if you start, just go to the Momentum website, sign up to the Momentum email list. Um, and, I would, uh, you know. I'd go one better than that. What the movement needs is for everyone to step up one level. So I don't expect people to be doing what I'm doing, which is probably like, I don't know, level nine out of 10. But if you're not doing <laughs> anything, then we need you to get to level one. And there's something for everyone, but we, we literally need everyone who is, you know, sympathetic to a world that is based on justice and not like the elites running the country. Like we need everyone to step up one, not someone else like you. So this is like... I'm Great, level two, here I come. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so we leave it. Are we not going to go out on a chant, Kia? Are we just going to make a really awkward chant? The one you were talking about earlier, Kia, was the when I read the manifesto, I go out of my head. I just can't get enough. I just can't get enough. I just love it. It's, it goes like this: Red Labour's manifesto sent me out of my head. I just can't get enough. I just can't get enough. Want a want a three day weekend or a Green New Deal instead? I just can't get enough. I just can't get enough. Let's have the both of them fuck private schools as well, because I just can't seem to get it. Get it. <laughs> Red Labour's manifesto sent me out of my head. I just can't get enough. I just can't get enough. Want a three-day weekend or a Green New Deal instead? I just can't get enough. I just can't get enough. Let's have the both of them fuck private schools as well, because I just can't seem to get enough.